You're tuning in to the Bookmatic's Best Book Podcast, where you will discover author secrets from books that'll make you feel, grow, and learn. These authors are from all over the world, all different backgrounds, and you are sure to learn a whole lot from their personal experiences. So please enjoy, subscribe, and let's get into it. Hi, Bookmatic Lifelong Learners. We've got a great guest here today, Bill Morrison, the author of Lions in the Grass. I love the subtitle here, A Marketing Insider's Guide to Mass Persuasion and Why You Want the Shit You Want. (laughs) That's fantastic. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Bill. Awesome. Thank you, Matt. This is great. Very excited. Mm -hmm, Definitely. So, uh, I, I was introduced to Bill's book uh, in 2020, and Bill sent his book all the way from Canada, all the way over to Indonesia for me to read and dissect and share with the Bookmatic audience. And, you know, the cover is very, very interesting. You've got like these uh, uh, marionettes, right? With flying yeah. gloves on it. <laughs> uh, I, I thought that was very, you know, symbolic because it's, it is a book about persuasion and it's also about like how emotion is like really a strong factor in uh, like, as you say in the book, man- manipulation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, definitely a, a really good book about, um, about persuasion, different from like other books uh, like, influenced by Robert Cialdini, which we were talking about a little bit before we started the episode, uh, you know, different from those in a good way, in a very good way. Uh, right. The stories that Bill tells in his, his book are very interesting as well. So I'll let Bill talk a little bit, uh, introduce himself. Uh, you can also introduce like a little bit of your background. That way people can know uh, why they should read your book. Why Why are sure. you uh, sure. a good good author for this type, uh, this topic. So yeah, go ahead and introduce yourself. Well, uh, I'm going to start by saying thank you very much for having me on the podcast, Matt. This is really exciting for me. Uh, As I just touched on very briefly when we opened up, this is my first book. Uh, And as a new author, you know, I think possibly a little more sensitive than than if I'd written multiple books. So uh, the opinion of people that are in the business of writing and reading and, and, and understanding knowledge like you are uh, for you to have any interest in my book at all was such a big deal. And I remember when we first spoke that the book came out in October 16th, uh, uh, 2020, you know, uh, and you were almost the, the, well, you were one of the very first people on Instagram that actually inquired about the book. So that was really exciting for me. So thank you for, you know, here we are months later, um, almost yeah. over COVID and, and through all those crazy things. Um, here we are uh, chatting, which is, which is exciting for me. As far as the background goes, I, I won't bore your, your, your viewers, your audience, you know, starting back when the earth cooled, because um, that's how old I am. Uh, but uh, um, I've been in real estate uh, for 30 years now. And all I've done is market and sell developments, brand new home projects. And this started out um, as, as, a, as a career for me that was just on-site selling and understanding what I needed to do to present the product. And then it grew into having my own marketing firm, my own brokerage, my own brokerages, and then uh, selling new home developments from, well, right across Canada, uh, down to the Western U, uh, US, over in Hawaii, down in the Mexico and the Caribbean. Um, so I've, I've been around, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. So that's 30 years worth. And the thing that kept resonating, the thing that kept repeating in all of these projects was how people were making their decisions. People made decisions 
not on common sense. They were making them emotional sense. Everything was emotion-based. And then it would be covered up with rationality. And I write about this in the book. Mm-hmm. And why this is such an important topic is that most of the population believes their rationality drives their, their actions when it's, it's emotion that drives the actions. So what happens is we make this emotional decision and then afterwards go back, cover up the tracks and cover them up with rational processing. Mm-hmm. So if I've always wanted to have this object, but it's a little bit, it's a little bit over the top. Eventually when I do purchase it, I can't say, well, it's just emotional reasoning behind me wanting this. I have to present it to myself, to the world as well, owning that gives me more time with my family to spend on, or that makes me better at my business, therefore, or I have to do it because of, and so we rationalize these emotional decisions. Mm-hmm. And the book goes into this detail about how this happens, why this happens, but more importantly, how others, the lions in the grass, the persuaders, use this to get us, to manipulate us, to do certain things, act a certain way. So it's, mm-hmm. it really is about mass persuasion. Mm-hmm. Well, how was that for an intro? Is that okay? Yeah, it's great. Fantastic. Okay. Um, you use the word manipulation a lot throughout the book. Can you explain yes. a little bit more? Because uh, you define manipulation a little bit different from you know yeah. people you usually think about that. Yeah. Word. Usually yeah. It has a negative connotation, right? So yeah, yeah. can you explain a little bit Certainly. about that? Well, well, no doubt it's it's nasty. Let's let's call a, you know a spade a spade. It's 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 a nasty word. It's it has a nefarious background. It it is connected to evil, not connected to good. In the book, I, I ask for permission to use it in a way that it is intended to be used. It is just a word. Definitely a double-edged sword can go and cut either way. Mm-hmm. But you can manipulate to, for good or manipulate for bad uh, once you understand it. Unfortunately, the powers that be that typically manipulate do it for personal reasons only. And therefore, it has an, a nefarious and evil connection to it. And, and it really is, if we just hold off thinking about the word being um, negative, manipulation is, is having someone do something else, um, guiding them to a different outcome, whether it's good for you or whether it's good for them. So I, I use some examples in the book, especially near the end of the book, talking about becoming an emotional revolutionary and using it for the power of good is, mm-hmm. is that we're all built to persuade. We all have this in us, you know, even when you're really, really little and really young and you, I'll, I'll, I'll share my candy with you if you be my best friend. Uh, we smile at people when we want them to like us. We want people to be calm, so we act calm. We do this naturally. Mm-hmm. So the book just identifies the techniques and tactics that are used. And at the end, we can become better consumers. We can understand when emotion is being used. We can make better decisions. And if we need to, to help persuade someone, then we have the tactics and the techniques and the, and the ways and the means to use them. Mm-hmm. So when you were writing the book, did you have like a target audience in mind? Like who, who did you write your book for basically? Yeah, great, great question because I really, really should have defined an audience before I started writing. <laughs> it was one of those things that I just needed to, to get on paper. I needed to get it out of me and to, and to present it because I really believe the world should know more about why they make their decisions. I, I just think we'll just be so much better off for that. And, and understanding that knowledge, um, as you know, this is, this is growth. So that's why I did it. So I didn't define an audience, so to speak. Um, you, you know, I guess the low-hanging fruit would definitely be if you're in any kind of business and you want to help people see you, the book talks about headline creation and why it's important to present one way and not another, et cetera, et cetera. But anyone that consumes, anybody that, that has to convince their kids to eat more vegetables or do their homework, uh, you know, really it's a fairly wide audience, Matt. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 
there's actually this really good example that kind of popped into my mind from your oh. book uh, about why we make this, the decisions we do. Uh, okay. It was about the uh, the the carpet example. Oh. <laughs> that, that was well, your example that happened to you, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, that was uh, one of the best examples because uh, at the end, like you, what? You ended up buying like a bunch of carpets oh. and you brought it home oh. to your girlfriend or your wife. I can't remember. Yeah, my girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, your I girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was best. And she's like, why? Why did you bring all these <laughs> Yeah. Can you tell it's, us about that story? Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of my favorite because I, I think anytime you get a chance to, to share a story that is so personally connected to you and something that actually happened to you and, it, you know, it's authentic, it's vulnerable, it's open, it's, it, it, it is what it is. Uh, but honestly, I, as I mentioned in the book, I, I you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of mall shopping. Uh, but there I was in the mall, had to buy something. And I'm meandering through trying to find my way back to whatever entrance I came in. Those are, you know, those are mazes and there's a piece of cheese waiting for the end of us, right? I just wanted to get out. And I remember coming around the corner and there's my exit and I'm heading out the only aisle lane that I can. And there's this massive crowd of people. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, why are you why stop here i there's the ex i need to get out of this place i feel so trapped mm -hmm. uh and i remember stopping and that the crowd was acting unusual which is it's such a human nature for us when a crowd is acting a certain way to pay attention to it so there we are uh, i'm there i am in the crowd and it's just buzzing and i look over to the side and there's these massive mounds of rugs, huge rugs. Uh, this, this massive group of people, like I mentioned, is like ants on a picnic blast blanket. They're crawling over, grabbing these rugs and pulling them away. And think, what is going on? So I've lost my original focus. I'm now focused on the crowd and why the crowd is reacting. And now I'm focused on, on what they're reacting to. And I asked and a, uh, a young gal beside me, she just was, couldn't take her eyes off it. And she just went and she just pointed. And I look at the sign and it says, you know, rugs today, only 60% off. So now curiosity has me because I'm seeing human reaction. What are they doing? What do I know? What is it that I don't know? So I, I sneak over and I flip up one of the little rug corners, 60% off. And I can't remember the final price, but it was ridiculous dollars rather than hundreds of dollars. And I thought, this is awesome. And some lady snatches a rug out of my hand because I was acting too slow. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, I got to look at the big pile. And they were priced at the same as the small ones. And I, I lost my mind. I lost it. I was buying rugs, grabbing rugs. These are the greatest things I've ever seen. I have this massive rugs. I think I showed up back home with six rugs. And we had recently, a girlfriend and I had just bought a new townhouse. And it was the, this is the first mortgage I'd ever had. You know, I'm a young guy. I am crushed under the weight of this mortgage. I roll in with like a thousand dollars worth of rugs. <laughs> and she's, she's not emotionally connected to this decision. And her question was like, what? What were you thinking? Why would you buy rugs? And then, you know, you're backtracking, trying to get this rational reasoning for buying these ridiculous things. Because our townhome had wall to wall at the time, you know, shag carpeting. See, I'm putting rugs on top of these thick rugs and the coffee table would indent the rugs down. It, it, it was just ridiculous. But uh, it, it struck me later after I calmly thought about it, what? why did I, what got me to that point? So I write about it in the book and I write about the stages and how this process worked. If we take some of the components out of that, if there is no crowd, if there's just a sign and I don't need rugs and I'm not focused on rugs, I'll walk right by. But when all of the components aligned, they have people that really do not need area rugs buying as many as they can shove in their car, you know, so that's the story. Thank you for reminding me about it. It's, it's one of my uh, favorite to write about. Mm -hmm. It was fun to read too. It oh, awesome. got me laughing, especially when you got home with the, <laughs> yeah. the rugs. <laughs> yeah. Good one. Good one for sure. So um, 
Um, what what is a, actually I'm curious what is a common myth or mistake people make when trying to like persuade others or mm. Uh, mm. and what like maybe what's the most powerful uh, strategy that people can use to persuade yeah. others? It, that's a that's a it's probably a five hour answer. So I'll try and tighten it right up. Um, the biggest thing that I see is this, and, and if you don't mind, I'll, I'll, I'll tell a story because uh, it probably is the best way to describe it. Um, I had a conversation recently about these big SUVs, big four-wheel drive SUVs, and they're loaded with off-road features. Um, you're not going to buy a $80,000 brand new shiny vehicle and go off-roading in it. If you are, well, Lord love you, because there's something wrong. You're just not, you know, I'm gonna go bush bashing in my brand new Chrysler Jeep or whatever it is you buy. You know, it's it's wonderful to have four wheel drive, especially here in Vancouver. Uh, I know you're from Portland and you probably had a little more snow than us, but we, we if we get snow, it's for a day and then the rain follows and it's gone. So it's nice to be able to click the button, four wheel drive and go, but realistically, I'm not going to use the, you know, the undercarriage pr protection and the extra height and the super knobby tires that, that vehicles come with. But we have this conversation about that. Those things don't make sense. They're, they're not common sense. They're, they're functions and features that are not used. So they shouldn't be on there. Mm -hmm. the, the truth is these are put in for emotional connections. You could go off-road. You feel trapped. This is how you're going to escape. If we pull those things away, then we just present factually and detailed and on functions. And, and this leads to the second part of the question, which is, what is it that helps persuade? Well, first of all, if we have emotion, if something creates an emotion, if you have a product and I have a product and both of our products create an emotion, it is very, very difficult to debate and compare emotions. It's impossible actually. But mm -hmm. if your vehicle has four wheel drive uh, that you're selling and my vehicle has two wheel drive that I'm selling, well, that's an easy comparison. If everything else was roughly the same, a gas mileage, let's call it, and, the, and all the other features and facts were the same. Well, it's easy to compare that Matt's four-wheel drive vehicles are better than Bill's two-wheel drive vehicles. I'll buy Matt's product. So in situations where people try and present, too often they think about what are the details? Because that's what people really care about. What are the facts? Because that's all people really want to know. When the truth is, if we think about why we really buy, we buy on emotion. So if you can create the presentation for emotion, you're gonna be so much better off. Uh, let's let's go back and forth on something if we can. Um, you have a new course. Sorry, what? You have a course. Uh, yes, now tell I'm me like, a little bit about your course. Yeah, okay, so this is uh, the cor course is uh, designed to help people to take the, the basically the strategies or the yeah. lessons from books and mm -hmm. then apply those lessons in their life. Uh, I've got the framework, which is called SPAR framework, study, plan, action, mm. reflect, repeat. Uh, so yeah, uh, I mean, I, I put everything I have personally learned and experienced awesome. and experimented with in oh. my life into the course uh, to basically teach people what everything that I've learned. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's the course in a nutshell. Basically. That's awesome. Yeah. Now I'm going to ask you a couple of things here about the course and about the presentation of the course, because I asked you specifically what the course was about. Perfect description. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Now let's talk about if we were selling the course together, mm -hmm. how would we do this? What would we do? Where would we present? And how would we present it out to the world to, to try and answer the original question of presentation and persuasion in presentation and using emotional and emotional connections. So Let's just say um, you need an operation and you have two doctors in mind 
you want to get a second opinion. So you're going to ask both doctors. Now, let's just say they, they've gone to the same schools. They have the same track record. They've each done this operation hundreds of times. So they're, they're fairly even. So we're going to go first to the uh, features doctor. And that features doctor is going to say, well, Matt, I'm going to start by opening you up stem to stern. I've got to get in there. So I've got to put the rib separators in there and crack those ribs open. And I've got to reach inside and I've got to massage all the organs and I've got to find the issue and I've got to pull it out of you and replace it with this component. This is a mechanical component. And then I'm going to sew you back up, put your ribs back together. And that is the features of your operation. And then we go, okay, <laughs> wow, that's crazy. And I didn't Sounds know that. Kind of scary, man. Yeah, yeah, terrifying. But I don't want to know the details. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just fix me. So then we go and see the benefits doctor, the emotional doctor. And the emotional doctor says, okay, Matt, what is it that you used to do before we found out about this illness that needs to be fixed? You used to, you used to play a lot of baseball, let's say. Um, what did you think about baseball? What was the thing that triggered you about baseball? Well, I, I love the emotional component. I love being in the dugout with the guys. I just love the camaraderie and I love the pace and the patience and the things that come along with baseball. So that's what you loved about baseball. Yes, it is. So Matt, I've done this operation hundreds of times. I know you're gonna be fine. I'm not worried about this at all. You're a healthy man. You know, after it's done, you're gonna be able to play baseball again because your, your illness is getting in the way of you being able to play. We're gonna fix that. Like I've done for so many other people and a lot of other baseball players, by the way, and you're gonna be able to play baseball again. So now I didn't tell you one feature. I just talked about the emotion that the, that the operation would create. So if we went back and we looked at your course and we said, okay, how do we connect emotionally with a very functional, detailed product? Because you, you, you know, you're teaching education and it's mm -hmm. very detailed. So if we say, okay, what emotion, what is it I'm gonna have? Not function, not detail, no rationality here. What is it that I'm gonna have then that I don't have now? Am I going to have? more confidence? Is this going to lead me to get a better job? Is it going, means I can do better in school and therefore I can achieve greater things in my life and therefore I will have these things which is what I've always wanted? And that's the presentation and that is using emotion to connect. It's really, really challenging because we just want to talk about the details. We right. want to talk about the function. But that's the rib separator. That's the organ grabbing. We want to talk about, we want to present so that we get the widest group of an audience. And we do that by emotionally connecting, by talking about what it is our audience is going to get. What are they going to receive? Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. I could think of some, some emotionally uh, connective ideas to you know, talk about the, the course and and everything so yeah i mean that's awesome. really powerful because yeah we we do buy on emotion right yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and then we hide it and and if i can talk about that just for one second buying on emotion is not the issue that um suv that i'm talking about you've got your big carbon fuel burning black suv in the driveway okay uh that's fine you bought it based on a certain emotion that it created for you and you connected with the object. Fine. Where it becomes an issue is when we go to sell it. So if the buyer is completely convinced that this is the exact vehicle that they want, then they're already in a very small audience, it's a very small window. And we can be functional in detail because they've already made their emotional decision. But if you want a wide audience, and you want to talk to people and you want to get people that don't really know exactly what kind of vehicle they want. If you speak to them in emotional terms, not, not uh, undercarriage protection and extra height clearance over bumps. And, you know, if, you, if you're talking to them in the emotion of what they get when they're in this vehicle, you'll have a wider audience. 
And so it really is only an issue when you go to sell or when you go to buy something that someone else, a lion in the grass, has manipulated your emotions Hmm. into a certain way that you believe this is what I have to have because therefore it'll connect with my rationality. And then we dismiss the fact that it was an emotional um, decision. And we say, no, no, it's it's rational. Here, I'm a rational person. I don't want to be an emotional person. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I'm rational. It was a rational decision. So that is what makes us vulnerable because we don't even realize how the subconscious is being approached, being persuaded, and then it is driving our decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes makes sense right <laughs> wow yeah so our, uh that that last part that you were talking about it so some people could be turned off by if you're trying to connect with them on an emotional level is that what, mm-hmm. what you were saying sure <clears throat> yeah so i think what happens if you connect Interesting on a point <laughs> yeah if you connect on a factual level and a detailed level so can I use another example? Oh yeah, and, for sure. Great, and and I talk about um, I talk about Gillette in in the book. I, I talk about Kellogg's and and these are these are the reason I use them. I use a lot of personal examples and a lot of things that that I experienced personally uh, through my career. But sometimes it's really a good idea to use a very generalized example of of something we all know very well. Gillette is a perfect, perfect, perfect example. King mm-hmm. C. Gillette registered the first patent for the safety razor in the late 1800s. This is a company that's been around. This is a company that has history. They provided razors for the troops in the trenches. I mean, this, this, they have an emotional playbook and yet their emotions that they use when they present are their emotions specifically built I, I, I term it, make them cry to make them buy. They're not connected to their product. They're just mm-hmm. emotional. And the best a man can get, you know, I, I understand that, but they're missing the point. So what they've done is they've built their entire program based on features. So we have one safety blade. We have two blades. We have a miraculous three blade razor. Now we have four. There's a five blade razor, five blades, five blades with a glide strip and a blah, blah, blah. They keep adding features and pumping the features. So for the most of the population that needs a razor, we look at the razors as an object that isn't emotional and that it pretty much anybody that, I mean, does is Schicks or Bic or Gillette, which is the best razor? It's really impossible to tell. So there's Gillette, function, 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 feature, 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 present, present, present. And along comes Harry's Shave Club and Dollar Shave. And people went, huh, what's that all about? They tried it, the shave was similar, but if you've ever bought Gillette's products, they're outrageously expensive because they could. And now all of a sudden I can get a razor for a dollar compared to $20. That's a fact. It's a feature mm-hmm. and it's easy to compare. And Gillette's market share plummeted, crashed, mm-hmm. drop, drop, drop. And it's a shame. They kept coming out with more features to try and combat this. They tried some emotional, rational, excuse me, some emotional advertisement and marketing and and it it, it missed because it didn't connect their product with the people and that's the whole purpose mm-hmm. of the emotional presentation mm-hmm. so it's a it's something that that we all know about and that's why we want to present emotionally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the stories that you used in your book because i remember this story in in your book about the the father and the son mm-hmm. oh yeah that's a fantastic story uh that's is that a story that you made up yes okay yeah it is but it's it's well i'll tell you the the full range of it uh first of all i felt really bad for beating up on gillette because Mm -hmm. 
uh, I don't think they're a bad company at all. Right. And I thought, well, as an olive branch, I'm going to write them an ad as an example that is pure emotion. And so I, I thought about what was it like in my own life? And what do I remember about <clears throat> watching my dad shave? And so the story is generated for Gillette, but it's based on personal experience. And I tried to present it in a way that Gillette could see that the connection in this particular case between father and son <clears throat> to get them to understand that that connection and bringing in, <clears throat> excuse me, their product as part of this lifelong process and connection between mm -hmm. father and son. And whether it's father and daughter, whether it's mother and daughter, whether whatever it is, if we're going to use this, these emotional connections, that you, you could see the story in the ad. And <clears throat> quite honestly, it, it was very emotional. It was really emotional for me to write it, as a matter of fact. Um, mm -hmm. Thinking about it and thinking about the, the memories of my dad and that tap, tap, tap on the on the ceramic sink by that razor. It is I if I hear that, it boom, I'm right back there. And so mm -hmm. I thought, okay, how can I take this emotional experience and present it for Gillette so that they can use this in their campaigns? I wrote one for Chrysler as well, because um, mm -hmm. I use them and, and beat them up a little bit too. So I thought, well, mm -hmm. a little olive branch here, maybe I can help out and, and write them some emotional ads. And it, they're really just general stories that, that show how the product can be used through an emotional connection to your audience so that when your competitors come in and go, we're cheaper, it, it, it has no bearing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Did you actually send those ads to the, to the company? Nope. No, nope. no, I did not. Um, <laughs> great idea, though. Fantastic yeah. idea. Uh, I just wanted to put them in the book and present them. And, you know, magically and mystically, we threw it up into the universe. So it'll find its way, you know, yeah. maybe, they'll, maybe they'll be watching right now the, of this podcast and go, huh. Better, better buy some lines in the grass. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, the story stuck with me, and uh, yeah, awesome. uh, I don't, I don't know. Uh, did you talk about storytelling in the book? I'm trying to recall if you did. Yeah, the stories, yeah. story selling. I termed it uh, when you're presenting story something. Selling, yeah. yeah, and and it's it's really just storytelling, story selling. Yeah. But if you are going to be in sales, um, the biggest thing is it's you know it really is once upon a time. If you want to get to, they lived happily ever after. Mm -hmm. It's important that you don't just give fluff, but you can't lead off with, this is a two bedroom that offers good value for money. It is 800 square feet, because your audience just goes, oh, thump. Mm -hmm. But when you talk about it in terms of the person that you're presenting to, what this will mean for them, what they'll receive out of it. And it has these components. It has the two bedroom, it's 800 square feet, which is exactly what you're looking for. But more than that, when your family is here, you'll have, and that's the really important component. It, it is once upon a time, you know, there was a, you know, Snow White and the seven dwarfs and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then they lived happily ever after. Um, there is the functionality in the middle of the story, which is important but it's really framed very well with, uh, you know, with emotion. Mm. And sure. that would be story selling. Yeah. Stories are, are so important in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and they stick with you. They stick with sure. you just like your Gillette story. Stuff well, you know, you, you, you read, you know, voraciously, you're reading all the time. And mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, you've had, so many good books and I'm sure there's been so many other books and sometimes <clears throat> you know a book is really good because it's delivering such great great content but mm -hmm. it, you know what it's like it's really hard to read you just it's just takes so much effort and energy you're getting things out of it but it's just pure education and you know, I, I believe that if you can add in a little entertainment and some stories, especially if they're connected to you and who you are, uh, people are interested in that. And it does a little bit to soften 
you know, perhaps it is tofu and it's not really the meat of the, of the meal, but it does help present. And, and thank you for talking about those stories because those were fun to write. Uh, and uh, they're really, you know, what I like to do is, is tell stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. So um, an- another question for you uh, is how can people listening to this podcast right now uh, protect themselves from m- manipulators who try to take advantage of them with a scam or with just maybe something that that they don't necessarily uh, need? Hmm. Yeah. Um, get them to vote a certain way. Get them to buy a certain product. Right, right. Get them to act a certain way. Uh, especially when you're dealing with, um, you know, mass persuasion, because mass persuasion is a whole different animal than than one-on-one persuasion. You, you know, like I said, smiling at someone because you want to put them at ease is individual persuasion, not in a bad way. You just want them to feel comfortable. They mirror their language and try and <clears throat> make them feel comfortable with you to present because we can pick that out in a heartbeat. If the other person is a danger, we can pick that out in seconds. So how can people pr- protect themselves? Well, knowledge, as you fully know, knowledge is king. Knowledge is everything. Knowledge is queen. Knowledge is everything. So understand, understand, understand. And just to give a little story about that, during the last election, uh, the last U.S. election, and I'm not a political person by by any means. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't have affiliations or anything like that. Um, I just just watched, you know, from up here in Canada down south and just watched some of the things that were being uh, used, leveraged in mass mass persuasion and um you know some of them i i they were they were bothersome to me just as a as a human being they were bothersome a mm-hmm. uh, generation of of uh, people polarized in certain events and and the use of separism uh, separate separation and separatism and to divide and conquer and us versus them there were some things that really really truly bothered me uh, mm-hmm. but on the other side I mean, I, you know, as a writer that writes about this kind of things, I was, was fascinated how this was working. And, right. you know, it, it, it's interesting because we all have these personal biases and these personal beliefs that are generated from our history, our emotional memories and things we've gone through, our experiences. So we believe this or we believe that and we move forward on those things. And we, and we need to have this in our lives because this helps us survive. Mm-hmm. So what people really want to be concerned about is just because it fits in with a certain belief you already have doesn't mean it isn't persuasion. So as a, as a political example, and again, not picking aside, just as examples. Mm-hmm. Um, so save the letters and the threats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, really what it was is I was watching Trump, uh, President Trump, in bidding for re-election. And then earlier on, I was watching uh, Bernie Sanders coming on. And it, Bernie Sanders was, uh, uh, was on a late night talk show. And of course, you know, the whole presentation is he's gonna present his whole platform based in the form of questions and then he's gonna roll it out. And he was talking about climate control and uh, uh, big pharma and fossil fuel companies and, he was presenting these things that, that a great many people have concerns about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if I was to talk about free speech and I know how you would feel about that. And, and these are things that we generally have uh, concerns over and, and we have very strong opinions of. So when he was, he was presenting this, I, I had just written this section on the steps of propaganda and how it is used. And I was listening to Bernie and, and he was explaining about the, the, the challenges with and the problems with and the terribleness of climate change. And I was nodding and listening and nodding and listening. And then he talked about this and big pharma. And, and then at the end, you know, under my administration, this would stop. And then I stopped and realized, whoa, wait a minute. He just used 
every single step that I just identified in propaganda mm-hmm. and the, the, the evils of propaganda when it's used as a, as a control over the masses. And I thought, wow, just because I believe that there's these issues doesn't mean that I should just accept when they're being presented. Mm. I should stand back, pull the emotion out of it and ask, is that true? Does this connect? Why is that true? Not is climate change real or not, but is this being used as a vehicle for someone else's purposes or is it truly an issue being presented in a way factually that I can rely rely on and and make decisions on. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. And and to go back to answer your question, Matt, was I really strongly believe that if we have the understanding of when this is happening and we know this knowledge and we can recognize these tactics and techniques, we can make such better decisions. Mm -hmm. And at least, and even if we choose to vote one way or vote another way, at least we can take our emotion out of this and make a decision and know the value and the weight of that decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I can attest for that. Like knowledge is king, as you said. Uh, knowledge really, really helps. Like when I read through your book, I understand these concepts. And now I can, you know, look um, and ex- experience yeah, people yeah. who are trying to maybe like, like change my decision or whatever. And I can recognize maybe some of the sort of strategies that they're they're using knowingly or unknowingly on their part. Uh, but I personally can recognize and then make a decision from there. Um, and I like the point that you bring up of like taking a step back, right? And asking yourself, why is this true? Or is this true? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Do I really powerful. know this to, to be true? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and just a breather. And it, <clears throat> again, make the same decision. That's fine. But now you really understand why you you made it, not someone else influencing you. And, and that's, if I could jump in there, if we have time, just a very quick sure. point. Thank you. It, we are so emotionally vulnerable. And it's, it's you know, and, and I love when I speak and I present that and I get, the, you know, I'm not emotionally vulnerable. Ah, well, those kind of folks are the, oh, those are just my favorite, 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 because they're the hard, crunchy candy with the soft, gooey inside, because they really are so emotional that they've got this big bravado on the outside to protect them. And, you know, if we've ever been sitting watching television and a commercial comes on and all of a sudden you're feeling a little, you know, a little sad or a little, wow, I didn't, wow, that's really interesting. Or, you know, I'm not going to let anybody see me get emotional about this because it's a, you know, it's an ad for soap. Um, (laughs) But that was, you know, 30 seconds from something you have absolutely no connection or control over. And they just stepped in, presented some imagery. And pretty soon you're thinking, hmm, interesting. It, It is that simple to connect because we can't change how people think, but we can change how they feel. Mm -hmm. And language and imagery works and it it does change how we feel about things. And that's the core of all decision-making. And that's the vulnerability that we all have. And so if you know you're vulnerable about that, then you can protect yourself better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like how you explain that. Yeah, definitely. Powerful stuff. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I just have a few more questions for you. And since, since this channel, since this podcast and, uh, everything is, is about books, I'm really curious other than your book, which I, I do highly recommend people to read your book, but other than your book, do you have any recommendations for the people listening right now for um, like maybe the same topic of your book, marketing Mm -hmm. or persuasion. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. What are your maybe like two or three of your favorites? Well, I'm a bit of an odd duck. So some of my favorite things to do are to go back and and look at uh, books that are written. um, The delusion of, of, crowds uh written in the 1800s um Mm. sun zoo and the art of war which is it you know it's it's been 
produced now, but it was written 500 years, you know, BC. Uh, and, and those are interesting to me because they really open up the thinking on how people react in different situations. Uh, one of the, the more recent books that I, that I really loved was Dan Ariely's book, and it's Predictable Irrationality. And it, it, is, it is so powerful. And I love the book because he just explains some very basic principles uh, about um, why we respond to when something is free. Uh, why we respond when there's three choices versus when there's 15 choices over a certain thing. And, you know, I mean, if we think about that, there's a lot of companies that have produced 20 or 30 different kinds of salad dressing have now brought it down to five or six kinds of salad dressing because there was just so many choices people were not choosing. Um, so uh, Ariely's work in, is really, really exceptional. Uh, I love it. Um, and then uh, on the outset, we were discussing uh, Persuasion. And uh, I know you, you're you a fan of that book as well. And, and I, I like it because it, it, it really identifies some components. And, and one of the things you mentioned, what was your favorite part out of that one? You were mentioning that, um, which one persuasion or yes. Yeah. Uh, or, uh, uh, or the first. Well, I, I know the six principles of persuasion, yeah, okay. uh, but actually I can't remember every single one. Right off well, the what was it? What bed. one stands I, out for you? My head, but the one that stands out to me always is uh, reciprocity. Uh, yeah. 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 And it, it really is interesting that you mentioned that that particular one, because that is something we're, we just we have that is this is an instinct for us. You know, if if I share my candy with you, will you be my best friend or share your candy with me? I'll be your best friend or hi, can I buy you a drink or um, any of the other things that we just do naturally mm-hmm. to persuade. And and it's really important that we identify that we are built this way. If we go back in prehistoric times and we think about, you know, life in the cave before there was language, when there's just mm-hmm. grunting and groaning and pointing, you know, um, how you reacted to something and the emotion you presented, that's how you were judged. So we became very, very skilled at looking at the group and saying, okay, there's the matrix of the group. That one is going to be an issue. I have to protect my children. So I need to be in this group. How am I going to act more trustworthy, more likable? And so these are the things that I do. This, this is what I have to go out and I need to be nice to someone. So they'll be nice back to me. And we just do this naturally. Mm-hmm. So again, those are, those are some of the books that I, I really uh, enjoy, but I, I, like you I have a fairly, eclectic reading you know range so um i get something from all sorts of uh, all sorts of books all over the place Mm -hmm. yeah those are some great recommendations for sure so uh yeah is there anything else that you would like to add to this conversation bill uh yes there is and thank you for that um the, the biggest reason i wrote the book was to present educate and help the readers understand the real power of emotion. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to, I wanted to knock some of the corners off of the word manipulation because it, it is, as we talked at the outset, it is a nasty word, but really it's just a word. It just happens to be used for bad purposes, but if it could be used through these techniques for good to convince people that, you know, they, they need to stop smoking or um, recently I was brought in uh, by the, in British Columbia, we have a, a large health organizations um, here where I'm from. And I was brought in to help them with their messaging, not to convince the public to do this or to do that or to be vaccinated or not vaccinated, but to help them con- to, to talk to the public and use different language around COVID and why it was important to pay attention. And, you know, it's just, it's simple, it's, it's easy, but it, it, if you'll notice when it first came out, it was the first wave, the second wave, the third wave, 
uh, of COVID and we have to fight against the, the second wave of COVID. And, and I just spent time explaining that if you were on the beach, looking at a beautiful sunset and watching the waves rolling in, and then someone of authority came down and said, Matt, I need you to stop the waves. You'd be like, oh, I, I can't, I, I can't. Even if I had the entire population, I can't stop the waves. I said, so the language we're using to present this challenge is unrealistic because we're setting expectations that will never get beyond this. What comes mm -hmm. after the second, the third, and the 18th, and the 90th, and the thousandth wave. Let's change this to caseloads. Let's change this to something that people believe that they can have some control over. So again, um, using the power of persuasion for good. And that's really, 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 especially in the last few chapters of the book, I talk about, okay, this is how it can be used to create just a better community, a better world. So that's what I wanted to add. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. I think we all can use those skills, right? No matter what position we have in our, in our mm -hmm. life, work or family, right? Yeah, we can all use those skills for the better betterment of, yeah, I of agree. our lives and other people around us as well. Yeah, yeah. sure. So, where can people find you, Bill, and well, buy your book and stuff? Buy the book, uh, Amazon. You know the, the great, powerful Amazon, uh -huh. uh, and uh, you know Lions in the Grass, um, uh, Marketing Insider's Guide to Mass Persuasion, mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's on Amazon ebook and or print book and they're incredibly fast to print and delivery um, even to places like where where you're living yeah uh, so uh, and then if they want to learn a little bit more about the book or, or about what drove me to write or any of the other postings and things uh, my website is morrisonwrites.com and it's m o r r i s o n writes mm -hmm. w-r-i-t-e-s dot com mm -hmm. and i'll just throw this out if if any of your audience wants to uh send an email and 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 discuss anything about what they're marketing or what they're presenting uh, that floats my boat i really like that kind of thing so mm -hmm. i'm bill at morrisonwrites.com mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. I will include all the links of your website and your book oh, wow. Thank you. in the description. Uh, that yeah. way people can easily find it when they're listening to this podcast episode Fantastic. and definitely check out the book. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Bill. It's yeah. been a great conversation for almost the past hour. Uh, really <laughs> good talking with you. Well, thank you for having me. This was so much fun. And, and again, thank you for your interest in the book and their kind words about it. Uh, but thank you so much for, you know, I mean, basically being one of the original people from outside my, you know, my family that said mm -hmm. this, this has value. So I really, really appreciate you, Matt. Thank you very much. Yeah. 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 No problem. All right, everyone. So uh, take care uh, and I'll see you in the next episode.